Amen. Uh, if you guys are here, we're going to get started pretty quickly this morning. So you could go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11 uh, is where we'll continue this morning. Um, I guess at this point, because we're only having one online service, I don't have to keep to a certain time frame. So make sure you get comfortable um, as there's a lot to cover. And uh, I was a little nervous about covering it all before now, but now I feel like we've got lots of time. Uh, and so far we haven't run out of internet at this point, and so we'll continue to use it as we can. Uh, the one thing that I do enjoy about the live part is being able to, to see the interaction, right? Being able to see the requests come through. And you kind of wonder, why don't we do that more? You know, why don't we do that more when we're gathered together, that we aren't just spitting out, hey, this is where I'm at. This is kind of what I'm looking for. This is what I need God to do in my life, right? I think it's something to think about as we, as we continue to move forward as a church. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get started since there's a lot to cover. So we're in Hebrews. We're going to be uh, with Abraham. The last topic I covered a couple weeks ago was about Enoch. There's a little less about Enoch. There's a whole lot more about Abraham. So we're going to be in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8 through 10. It said, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Let's pray. God, we pray that as we read your word this morning and as we study your word and we look at the kind of the beginnings of the life of Abraham, God, that we would see our own faith experience start to spell out a little bit. That we kind of see a man who gave us a pattern of what it looks like to enter a journey of faith, to walk that journey of faith, and to be patient for what was ahead. So we look forward to our time this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we start with Abraham. And at this point, when Abraham kind of first comes onto the scene in Genesis, which we'll get to in a bit, um, is way back in Genesis 12. But at this point, when he first walks onto the scene, we have, it's about 2,000 years past creation, all right? And so obviously the flood has already happened. We talked about Noah last week. Um, but with Abraham, we kind of get a, a new era of human history, all right? At this point, again, the flood has happened. And since the flood, God kind of has this general revelation with all of mankind, Okay, so we see a big change about to happen with Abraham. So there's kind of this general revelation. And then we come, and in Genesis 11, we see uh, a big event happen that is going to change the course of human history. And we probably all remember this story as a kid, right? Does everybody remember the Tower of Babel? And you remember this as a I remember this story as a kid. Um, and this just being told. And I, I don't think I ever really as a kid, definitely understood what it actually signified and what it actually was important about it. And so you see the Tower of Babel back in Genesis 11, all right? And you see these, the men have kind of gathered together and the, the people there and have started to build a tower. And instead of building a tower to, to glorify God, they're building this particular tower to glorify their own greatness, right? To their own greatness, their own idolatry. It wasn't a monument to God. And so... Because of this, in Genesis 11, God steps in, right? He steps in. 
And he started in verse 4, let's say this. And they said, come, let us build, a a build for ourselves a city and a tower whose, to whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Not knowing what's coming, right? And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now... Nothing which they pursue to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. So it comes down, right? These guys are building this tower to their, their, their selves, their own greatness. They feel like they've arrived. And God comes down and says, it's not happening. So he throws their whole language into a tit, right? Nobody is speaks in the same language at this point, and they're scattered across uh, the world, right? The face of the planet. And what's interesting about this is, so you have this revolt, and you kind of see this God turning them over, right, to their own sin. So at this point, you really have no written revelation. There's no, like, these, you don't really have a history, a past, right? Nobody speaks the same language, and so I love this passage because it's a very small part of the Bible, but you realize when Abraham steps in, it's a big deal, right? And so we kind of see uh, Abraham step in, right? God has a plan, and the plan is Abraham. And he's about to reveal himself to this man in a very specific way, right? And a very specific person he has picked out in Abraham, and kind of Abraham, this, this verse that we pull from him that is going to be kind of the pattern for what we see in Abraham is Genesis 15, verse 6. And it says this, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So that's kind of the, the pattern that we're going to see, kind of the, the Abraham's life verse, so to speak, is that because he believed God, God reckoned it him as righteousness. All right? And that's how God is going to live through Abraham. So Abraham, because of this call, is going to become the nation, right? He's become the father of Israel. And Israel, because of this stepping in of God, is going to become the storehouse, essentially, of divine revelation, right? So again, right now, you don't really have any of those passed down experiences. Nobody has a written language of any kind. Everybody's scattered all over the place. And yet God is going to step in. He's going to say, this is my man, and these are my people that are going to reveal who I am to the nations, Right? And so I think it's so important, Abraham's life, because he really becomes the central figure of saving faith. Right? And so Abraham is uh, become righteousness because of him, his belief in God, right? His faith in God, right? And so his life kind of becomes a pattern for us to follow. And it's interesting because all through the New Testament, we see this pattern. And kind of looking at Stephen, right? Stephen's kind of the first martyr. All right, and in Acts 7, verses 2 through 4, it says this. And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of, Can of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died... God had him moved to this country in which you are now living. So Stephen is preaching a message of salvation, and he begins with Abraham. All right? And so also Paul, right, defends, is always defending justification by faith. Romans 4, 1 through 3 says, 
What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But now before God, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul is quoting him. He goes down to verse 13. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be the heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So you have Paul and Stephen and multiple men in the New Testament that are really battling against the religious leaders of the day, right? The Jewish law and works mentality, right? So you have Jewish and the law and works mentality that is really ruling the day. And these guys are stepping onto the scene preaching the message of Jesus. And they're starting with Abraham, right? It always goes back to this justification by faith and faith alone, right? And so Abraham... Steps on again to the scene. And historically, Abraham is a big figure anyway. But I think it's a great analogy, kind of a pattern for us to follow. So that's kind of what we're going to lay out this morning, uh, is a little bit of a pattern uh, that should really characterize our own faith experience. Maybe it's better everybody's not here, because I might say some things, people might throw some stones. And so maybe uh, for you at, the, at home, you can just send your emails uh, to Pastor Joe. He'll be back soon. So, I'm sorry, what? But I'm looking forward, because... There's really no getting around this pattern, right, when we walk in faith. And so the first verse we're going to come to is verse 8, back in Hebrews, right? And verse 8 says, By faith, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So we have this journey of faith that starts with Abraham. He starts this journey. Now, uh, I am not a... English major of any kind. But what is being used here is called a present participle. And it says, when he was called, obeyed by going. And it really could be better translated as, while being called, he was obeying. So with Abraham, we see his obedience immediate. So essentially what the word is saying is, as God was calling him, Abraham was in the process of doing it. Right? There was no pause. It's immediate. And so that's what, when we talk about this present participle, that's what I'm saying. Um, is that while God was calling him, he was obeying, right? He went out in faith. He had no idea where he was going, right? He just started to go because that's what called him to do. Remember, faith is living as though the invisible things are real, right? It's so easy to live the visible things, but not the invisible things. And so... It's interesting about Abraham, too, is, again, he had no idea. So it's not like he saw a brochure of Canaan, right? Nobody laid out this nice brochure and says, look at this beautiful coastline and this nice estate that's ready to move in, right? You imagine if you were with your realtor and you went to, wanted to look at a house and all they showed you was nothing. Nothing. And they said, just go. It'll be fabulous. And you're like, I don't think that's going to happen. And that was Abraham, right? He had no clue. No idea what anything looked like, what it was going to be like, and yet he went, right? He obeyed immediately as this God called him. And now what we see soon as, as Abraham is called is kind of this idea, the same idea that we are called out of sin. Abraham was a pagan, right? Abraham had no tie with the, the living God. The Bible doesn't speak to it at all. In Joshua 24, we actually see the opposite. In verse 2 through 3, it says, Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. 
Abraham's father was a pagan. A- Abraham was a pagan, right? He was, he was a hedonist, and yet God chose him, and he gave him this test to say, are you going to believe me or not, right? And what's also interesting, so you obviously have a pagan. Well, you're like, well, obviously he was like the best pagan, right? Like he was the best of what was there. And the Bible doesn't teach us it at all, right? His morality is not even mentioned when you're talking about the call of Abraham. God doesn't come along in sovereign grace and save moral people. God pulls us out of our sin and he calls us out of our sin and he gives us Jesus. And that's what he did with Abraham. He called him out of his sin, out of his paganism. God came down and Abraham chose to believe God and he chose to go where he had no idea where he was going. I mean, it's quite a journey, right? When we look at Genesis 12, right, the actual what God is saying to Abraham, we see this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. So he says, Go forth from your country. So this journey that Abraham starts on, this journey of faith, is a call out of paganism to follow God. And then all of a sudden we have what this call actually means. That means he's leaving his home. He's cutting ties, right? He left family behind. He left loved ones behind. He left everything he knew behind. He abandoned the familiar things and the comfortable things to do what God called him to do and to walk where he had no idea where he was going, right? Faith in the one true God gives us the ability to do things that look impossible. Because let's be honest, this looked impossible. So you have a pagan who knows nothing of God, doesn't worship God, is called by this God to go, and he just goes. And I know I've talked about this before, but I know you Texans are very foreign to like going out of like the state, right? When somebody mentions, oh, well, we're moving, you're like, what? You're, you're what? You're moving out of... But this is heaven right here. No, this is Texas, okay, guys? There is other parts of the world, right? But this, it seems impossible to think, oh, I can't just pick up and move. And yet, this is exactly what he did. Abraham picked up and he moved. He cut ties, right? And this walk of journey is the same for us. When God calls us, when we start to follow God, when we take him on as our Savior, right? We, he calls us to make a break with sin, make a break with our past, And to move on. And I think nobody says it better than Jesus. And Jesus says this in a couple places. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus says in Luke, which is I think a little more difficult than even that, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I told you we're going to use a lot of Bible this morning because these are hard things. And luckily Jesus said them and I didn't have to say them. But that's what he's saying. We look at Abraham's life and think, man, but that's Abraham. And Jesus calls us to do the same thing. 
That he calls us to cut ties with the sinful patterns that have created who we are. And he says, I'm going to give you a new life. And he goes on. So the New Testament, again, talks a ton about the old life and the new life, putting on the old self. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Paul says again in Ephesians 4, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put away the new self, which is the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So this idea of this, this beginning pattern of Abraham's life is this cutting ties, this moving on. God has called us out of something. He's called us out of who we thought we were, right, into who he's creating us to be. Man, and that's a difficult process, right? Life is difficult to think. Well, it's so difficult to live as though the invisible things are real. And Abraham had to do it, right? He didn't have a brochure. He couldn't look it up on Google Earth and say, yeah, there's some green spots right there. That would be nice. He had nothing but the word of God to follow. And so when we start our faith as well, we have to make the break. We turn from sin and death. And the interesting part, the next step we kind of have is we wait. We're waiting. First Thessalonians, I think is an interesting verse, and I think it puts it in a, in a pretty important way. It says, uh, this is verse 9 through 10. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. So again, we start Abraham's life with this journey. He then begins into this journey, and now we find him waiting, right? He is waiting for what is to come. And in verse 9 and 10, we see something back in Hebrews. We see this idea of a patience for faith, right? We have a patience in this journey. Once God has called us, you know, it's very easy, right, when you're first saved, it feels like you have this fire underneath you that really is striving to push you. And then as life kicks in, it starts to get difficult. It starts to feel like, well, how long is this going to last? In verse 9, in, back in Hebrews, it says, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. He was a nomad, right? He lived in tents his whole life. God promised him Canaan, and even when he was in Canaan, he owned nothing in Canaan. He had nothing. Right? He was an alien. Genesis 23, back in verse 4, says, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. He doesn't even know a place he can bury those in his family that die. He has nothing in this land. He's a nomad. Isaac and Jacob, his sons, share the same fate. They live in tents, right? And yet, we see our life as a disciple of Christ to be the same thing. We find ourselves waiting in a world that we are different than. We live beside people, but we're not the same as they are. We're not of this world. We are aliens and strangers, right? When we bring on the new self, sin no longer looks good on us. It no longer smells good on us as Christians. 
And right, and as we as we continue to seek God, we start to feel that more and more, right? And that's why we we have a better idea of what is right and wrong as Christians. Why? Because as Jesus fills us, we start to see what is wrong with the world. And yet we're waiting, right, for this promised inheritance that is to come. We know this is not it. I hope you know this isn't it. This is not the end. You know, it's not like back in high school and you're like, man, these are the best days ever. I remember being in high school thinking, man, I better get better than this. Right? And it's the same thing. We are living in a world that we should look different than. And yet we have to have patience in this message. Because it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to walk the journey. But he says this in Matthew 6.20. We see kind of what it looks like to long for that. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. Right? In our patience, he's giving us work to do. Giving us things to accomplish. Right? To work towards the things that are going to have value in the new heaven and the new earth. There are things that we can do and accomplish that will still be there when Jesus comes back. But only what's done for Christ. Everything else done on this world, if we're building ourselves little kingdoms here and there, they won't survive. Abraham continued in the hope of faith, right? John MacArthur said this, and I think it's a a great way to put it. He says, the man of faith is not the man who who is blazing like a shooting star or some meteor, but whose faith, like a steady light, is steady and relentless when there's nothing to do but wait. When there's pain in life and disappointment in life and fear sets in, And yet faith is sustained. Enduring faith, a patient faith, is the only saving faith we have. That we would endure, right? And be grateful that Abraham endured. Endurance, I think, is the assurance of real, genuine faith, right? That's the point of this whole passage of Hebrews 11. Is you have these these guys in Hebrews, these Christians, that are ready to throw in a towel. Like they're tired, They are worn down, and they're trying to decide, is this Jesus life really worth what we're going through? Is it really worth all of this? Right? They're ready to give in. And they they needed a reminder. They needed a, if you're into sports, they needed a pep talk, right? They needed that pregame speech to really get them back. I mean, you think Noah preached 120 years while building a boat. When nobody else believed, this faith we're talking about doesn't give in to discouragement or doubt. It endures and it has patience, right? And you think, how does a man like that have patience? The question is patience for what? Verse 10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This is what he's patient for. So again, we have this idea that, oh, God promised him Canaan. Yeah, he promised him the father of many nations as well, but he didn't see all of those things come to pass on this life. How could, a, how could he walk Canaan all of these years, live in tents? This is why, because he was looking for the city 
Not just any city. He was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He could, be, he could be patient in this land of Canaan because he's looking for something different. He's looking for something more than what is in front of him. He's looking for the city who was built by the very God who put him on this journey. Right? If you're going to believe God at the beginning, why don't we believe him at the end? It's like we want to believe him in salvation, and then when life gets hard, we're like, well, you know, I, I got these things going and yet Abraham, he continued to walk. He continued to walk. He continued to put up tents and take town tents. He continued to ask people for burial plots for people in his family in the land that was promised to him. I'll be honest. If I were Abraham, I probably would have walked in there and been like, all right, guys, I'm here. You can move on now. This is the place God has for me. So, I mean, you're welcome to stay, but just don't get in my way. And that wasn't Abraham. He trusted God. Remember, God had promised him. God promised the people. And they became this storehouse. He could wander the land for many years because he has his sights set on something different. His sights set on a city. Right? The Bible speaks often to about the city. In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it says this. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also be, will be revealed with him in glory. You guys, this is, Abraham's life is the, if you want to say, secret to the Christian life, which is we spend so much of our time focusing on this life that we struggle more than we should because we miss focusing on the life to come, right? If you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Seek the things that are going to last. Set your mind on the things above, right? Verse 3, we've already died. If, if we are Christians, we've been crucified with Christ. Our life is now hidden with him. Let's work towards the thing he's working towards. We don't have time to go into it, but you have a, a very different story of Abraham and of Lot. Abraham focused on the things of heaven. Lot focused on the things of earth. And if you go back and read the story of Lot, it wasn't a good one. It didn't end well. It is amazingly horrible. He became absorbed with the things of earth. Abraham continued to be absorbed with the things of heaven. Right? He started this journey God called him on. God called him out of his sin to, to, to run this journey. To have patience in this journey. To work towards things that were above. Again, having faith is difficult. Why? Because we usually can't see the real thing. That's what, when we see all of these guys, right? You kind of, so with Abel, who kind of shows you have to have sacrifice, right? You have to have real sacrifice to kind of begin this journey with Christ. Enoch kind of shows us that this continued walk with Christ. And kind of with Noah, you especially get the hope of what is to come. 
And all of a sudden with Abraham, you, you see it all start to come to the top. And the whole New Testament is filled with testimony of Abraham following by faith. Abraham following by faith. And this is what we're called to do. This is why Abraham was a hero of faith. God called him out of sin to walk this difficult road. If you want to close your eyes for a minute. God, we, we know that we have been called out of our sin. God, but I know there are people listening today that have never began that journey. That have never heard your voice and followed it. God, we pray that just as Abraham, you would call them out of their sin. And they would begin this journey. And God, that is believing you, believing your promises. Again, even when circumstances tell us otherwise. God, I pray that if there is those that don't know you, God, that this morning they would call someone, ask someone, what does it look like to follow Jesus? God, I pray for those that are on the journey of faith, that are seeking patience in a difficult day. God, the church is needing you more than ever, needing this idea of patience more than ever. As we are a people of, that want stuff immediate. God, and just as current circumstances, things feel like they're dragging on. God, I think you're revealing to us more and more that we live next to a people that we don't hold the same things in common. God, that we as Christians should look very differently than our culture. We're speaking a message of love, but it's very difficult for our culture to hear because it calls for sacrifice of what we want to do what you want. God, we pray for the patience to look for what is ahead. God, that that should give us the strength and the courage and the hope to continue to walk in a land that we don't know. God, that it would continue to give us a hope to realize that you are going to prepare a place for us. And one day you will come back for us. God, open our eyes and our hearts to be part of the work that you're doing. God, that with that patience comes hands that want to work with you. God, that as we're hidden, our life is hidden with you, that you've called us to do things here on this earth. Things that will outlast this earth things that will still have value in the life after this one god allow us to see the things that we can't see allow us to live by faith in the unseen things god that you would continue to narrow our vision to be focused on you I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the, even in these days, the opportunity to spill, still speak your word and to teach your word and to be a part of what you're doing. I thank you for the family of TSF. I pray that we would continue to be united in this time, continue to see what it's like to love each other well when things are very difficult. 
God, for those that are suffering physically and financially and spiritually and mentally through all of these difficulties, God, that we would find it more as an opportunity to love each other, more as an opportunity to reach out so that the world will know who we are because of how we love each other. Remind us of this journey of faith we're on. We love you. We thank you for this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, as we get ready to get out of here, just remember to stay connected on, on Facebook and our website. We're trying to keep all the communications as, as uh, current as possible. Again, next Sunday we'll be here again online.